Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. December 10th, 2020 on the Mike Abadir Show. Co-host Gino Bacola alongside Mike Abadir. Like always, a fun show for you. Talking a lot of football today. It is, uh, Mike, we're into week 14. Is that right? That's crazy. Start of the fantasy football playoffs. And start of the fantasy football playoffs. And we're living in a world right now where the Cleveland Browns are 9-3, coming off a huge win, and they are probably one win away from securing a playoff spot. I think they are sitting at like a 97% chance. They that even was have your out- play of the week. They have an outside shot to win the division. To be honest, um, we, year that's been sort of like around 500 for me, last couple weeks have been really good. That was probably the most I've liked a game in maybe two or three years. I last, went back and listened week. to your points and your conviction. And I could tell, I was like, you know, if, uh, if, you know, you play like in the increments, 25, 100, 500, 1000, that was a 1000. Yeah. Yeah. That was as good, as confident as I felt. And cause like, I just, I, with, I play and between this show and that's what she said, like I'd give out so many races and games and stuff like that, that I try not to go, Oh, I just love this horse or I love this game or something. Unless I really do. I try to just save it for that, for the few that I feel that way. And I, I really did. It was just circumstance, a little bit liking the Browns, but a little bit more just thinking that some of the wins, the Titans were coming in off of were a little bit inflated because of situation. They, they ran into a couple teams that were decimated by injury and COVID. And so those teams weren't quite, as good as they looked in those games. And then, of course, it, when you get Derrick Henry, you get up by a, a little bit early. You can run all over a team like they were able to do to the Colts. And um, so it was just a great spot, and everything worked out well for the Browns. And, hey, man, the Browns got a big – how cool is that? They got a, a big week coming up. They're on Monday Night Football. What has been cool uh, the last few weeks of, of this season is we've got to see teams that have these great fan bases but have been – either unlucky or I guess poorly run franchises for a while when you think about the Bills and the Browns who are both having excellent years and we're getting to watch them in prime time now. Yeah, I mean that's absolutely right, especially with, you know, additional Tuesdays and and mm-hmm. we're going to have a Friday and Wednesday and you know, there's more exposure to a lot of those types of teams because there's just more games on a spread out basis. It was a little bit too bad that I heard that a lot of people couldn't watch the uh, Tuesday game, I believe. I know. I had to pull up uh, a – got to try to log into an account, and if you had – only if you have Sunday ticket, you could. So it was – because it was was a little bit difficult, but uh, I think we have our first guest, Mike, in a a weird transition here – I don't think it's been as, as as difficult as many people thought making the transition from Breeze to uh, to Taysom Hill. What we've seen the last couple of years from the Saints, they don't they don't lose, do they? No, they really don't lose, Gino. And here's the thing: this, you know, unintentionally gave them a sneak peek to confirm whether or not T Hill is their man for the future. So let's find out specifically what our first guest thoughts are on that subject matter. And of course I'm talking about Nick Underhill who, let me just say this. Nick is a fantastic reporter and I'm not saying that because I've developed a friendship with him, but because I've seen his work 
he thinks outside the box. He'll anticipate stories before they happen. He'll look into things in an investigative manner as it applies to football. Pretty amazing to me, and uh, I think this guy's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger in the world of football reporting. Nick, I hope that served you justice because I meant every hey, word Nick. that I said. How are you, my friend? Hey, I appreciate that, man. Uh, I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Good. And Nick Underhill, by the way, is with New Orleans Football. Definitely, if you're a Saints fan, check it out. Definitely, if you're a football fan or a fan of the NFC South, check it out. We're going to do a little bit of a rapid fire type of thing here, Nick. So we're going to put you on the hot seat and uh, put you to the test on all things Saints. So let me get it started with a quick word or two or line or two on the status of Drew Brees. I saw a tweet from you that said that he left practice yesterday. What does that mean, and what does that mean for the next couple of games? I, he, he was kind of just like at practice, not really doing anything. So it doesn't look like he's going to play this week um, unless there's like a massive bluff. But I, I would imagine he needs to get some practice time going. And they aren't doing that yet, so I would I would assume it's still going to be Case Hill. It makes sense. You know, you don't know if they're Philadelphia's full. Brees has 11 broken ribs, punctured lungs. Playing outside in the cold against the defensive front, that, that does a pretty good job of getting after the passer. Probably isn't the wisest game to come back for. Uh, Nick, how, how much do you um, think that the Saints are kind of weighing the difference or, or weighing things, realizing, hey, Taysom Hills look very good so far. The, they haven't lost yet, but also understanding they've had a three-game stretch where they played uh, the Falcons twice and they played a team that didn't have a quarterback. So how do you how do you think they're kind of weighing like the good with, okay, we can't get necessarily too excited because we really haven't necessarily played maybe one of the better teams yet? Yeah, I, it's, it's tough. That, that's the thing I kind of struggle with too, watching them my, myself. You know, I think there's been some, some good moments. I also think Sean Payton's done a really good job of, of coaching, and you know there were a lot of open throws in this game, and I think Payton's doing the things that he needs to do. But like you said, I, I don't know how much you can actually know about him until he plays some better teams, and I'm not sure Philadelphia is exactly that that team either. We haven't seen him in a game where he's played from behind, so you know you can play action on 40% of his snaps and, and do all kinds of different things, and. You know, that's just not, not going to be every single game. We haven't seen him in a situation where things aren't perfect. And, you know, I would say the game where there were some muddier things, that was the Denver game. You kind of saw them changing their uh, coverages a little bit late. They were disguising things, you know, real late into the pre-snap, uh, you know, switching late, changing up the picture on him. And he struggled with that. And I know that the whole thing was, you know, protect the ball, don't do too much. You're playing another team without a quarterback, so you don't have to go out and win the game. So don't, don't make mistakes. But he was still throwing passes and missing open guys because you couldn't see the difference in some of the coverages. You know, this last Atlanta game I thought was probably the best one for him as a passer. He settled in a little bit. But as far as, you know, knowing if he's the quarterback of the future, I, I don't know if you're going to know that at the end of four games. I think there's two questions. There. Is he good enough to compete next year to be the starter? I think the answer is yes. If you find your franchise quarterback, you know, I think it would be a stretch to say that right now. I, I think there's a whole lot more to prove. Could he eventually prove that point? Yeah, I think possibly, but, you know, can't overlook the fumbles either. Like, one of his biggest traits is, is his ability to run. And when you're fumbling once every 20 carries, or, or you know, it's somewhere right around in that, that area, 
you know, that, that becomes tough. And at a certain point, if you don't fix that, you got to stop looking at it as, you know, a strength and it becomes a liability. And I think we will figure that out. But, you know, I just say that to say that there's still a lot with him that needs to get that in before you're cemented as that guy that is going to replace Drew Brees. Well, I think one of those areas is hitting full stride with Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, your playmakers. Any observations on your end as to why, you know, they haven't necessarily been an offensive machine like they traditionally are? Is it just a matter of you just they just need more reps together? It's kind of crazy because they're averaging 29.8 points per game, and I, I think that digitally it's easy to see that they aren't hitting on all cylinders yet. Um, you know, statistically, there's really nobody having a great season outside of Alvin, and then the last three games, you know, it really hasn't been there for him. And that's odd that, that that's not who they are, you know. And I think that gives them room to get even better, which is crazy because they are probably arguably the best team in the NFL right now. But, you know, Reese and Thomas have played 10 quarters together. You know, that's that's a Hall of Fame quarterback in my series, offensive player of the year. And they're still doing really well. So, yeah, I mean, I think that is part of it, getting them, them all going. You know, Mike's had, a, you know, just a weird year. I think in that Denver game, you, you saw he, he kept getting his ankles retaped, and there was a play, Taysom's interception in that game. You know, I think the, the defining characteristic for Mike Thomas that, that makes him special and, you know, kind of overcomes the 4-5 speed, 4-6 speed is that when he cuts, there's, there's like a, a violent snap to it. Like, when he hits a curl, like, just the way you can violently snap and turn, is what differentiates them and gets some separation. And, you know, on that interception, it was like a very rounded route. It just didn't look like Mike Thomas. And I think that he's still kind of, you know, battling through that high ankle strain, trying to get his legs back on him and get back to where he needs to be. Last week, I thought it was a good step forward for him. You know, as for Alvin, throughout his career playing the Falcons, those aren't typically great games for him. He's averaged like 50 receiving yards per game since 2017 against the Falcons. They tend to cover him pretty well. Um, but I would say that I think just the style of play between the two quarterbacks doesn't necessarily fit him as well. You know, Breeze is, if he's not seeing somebody potentially coming open and he throws with so much anticipation, if he's not seeing that in a second and a half, like he's, he's just not going down the field, he's going to check down and Alvin's going to get that ball. And, you know, he does what he does, makes guys miss and, and turns nothing into something. With Taysom, he can wait a little bit longer for plays to develop, get the ball down the field. He has more arm. And, you know, when there isn't something there, he might be more apt to run than dump off. So that, that's going to take away some targets for Alvin, too. So, you know, I, I think those two things have worked against him. You know, if, if Taysom is a quarterback, which I expect him to be this week against Philadelphia, you know, I, I think they'll probably do some more stuff with Alvin, get him in the spot a little bit more. He's only gotten like five snaps there the last couple of weeks. I think they'll get him more involved and in, in just find ways, you know, to get him the ball. I think it's important to do that. Um, you know, Alvin's not the type of guy that you're going to lose, you know, mentally or whatever. But I, I think it is important to keep him in the flow of the game. Nick, um, what's nice is that they've been able to get sort of this, um, this, a little bit of a margin of error on the offensive side of the ball because the defense has been playing so damn good. And, and also because I guess like nobody else in the NFC has really jumped up and stamped themselves as a 
team that scares the heck out of you. You know, there are some fine, solid teams, but, you know, we saw Seattle take a step back. The Rams kind of have played well, and then they come back to earth. Uh, Tampa hasn't really been consistent, you know, and so, you know, you look at maybe Green Bay, but what's, you know, a couple things just overall, where do, where do you have them like kind of stacking up with everybody else? Who do you see as, as a team that scares you? And just talk a little bit about how good this defense has been. Yeah, I, I was looking at it the other day, and I, I saw a stat, like, they're limiting teams to, like, four and a half yards per play. So, basically, every single play they defend, they're defending the Jets, which is crazy. Like, they're turning every team into the worst team in the NFL on a post-snap basis. And, you know, I think the biggest thing with them is that they've just become so organized on defense. And, and you know, if you, haven't, if you haven't really watched this team week to week, that's a weird statement to hear. But early in the year, they were so disorganized, and it just undermined their talent. They weren't able to execute a whole lot of stuff. They were just always looking in the wrong places. You know, you'd have guys not knowing what coverage they were playing, and they went into their bye, they figured it out. You know, they simplified for a couple of weeks. You saw a lot more single high safety looks, just a little bit more basic. And just over the last few weeks, they've been adding in more and more. And that's kind of what Dennis Allen does as a defensive coordinator. His, his hallmark is A, pressure, and B, just trying to create the most difficult picture to read for the other team. And, you know, it's playing four or five coverages every game. And, you know, you just don't know what they're going to do. And that was taken away. Early in the year, they were trying to do that, and it became a liability. Now they're playing well. That stuff's being added in, and they're becoming better and better week by week. They're playing well. Now they're doing all this stuff, and it's hard to read. And now they, they're starting to look like the best defense in the NFL. And, look, I mean, they've just been able to overcome a lot on that side of the ball, too. There's been a ton of injuries on defense. You know, it's Marcus Davenport's out. Sheldon Rankins is out. And you have guys like Trey Henderson, who nobody heard of, you know, pre-pandemic <laughs> NFL. He wasn't really uh, a figure that anybody talked about. Now he's second in the league in sacks. And, you know, I don't think he's a, a dominant talent, but it's just a credit to how well they've been able to scheme their pressures and, and you know, bringing guys like Malcolm Jenkins, who has fit in really well and has been a nice update for them over Von Bell. Um, you know, it's just they got a lot of guys going and, and – I don't know if there's a ton of superstars on the defense this year. I think they've kind of, in a weird way, you know, the household names outside of Demario Davis have kind of underperformed a little bit. Uh, Cam Jordan is just getting going late in the season. But, you know, if they're starting to ramp up at the right time. It's kind of like the Spurs, you know, when Pop would have those guys rest all year and then, you know, six weeks before the playoffs, they, they hit the gas and everybody gets going. It's kind of what's going on with the Saints right now. They just need to get the back, get him going. And, you know, it, Again, I, it's weird to say about a team that's playing so well, but I think there, there's still a lot of room for them to improve. Interesting that you say that. And we're speaking with Nick Underhill of New Orleans.Football because the team on the defensive side has given up the least points in the NFC. I was actually quite surprised when I saw that they're 241. Nobody's given up less points than them in the NFC. And traditionally, they're, they've been an offensive team. Their third the third highest points for in the NFC begs the question, are they a defensive team? Are they an offensive team? Peyton's not going to let this team look ahead. They're definitely a week-by-week team, but is there any kind of excitement brewing about the game after this one, which is Kansas City, potential Super Bowl preview? Well, I know I'm looking by the Eagles game for the Kansas City game. It's not too... uh... This one isn't isn't too exciting, uh, you know, to get into. But 
Look, I, I think that, that, yeah, definitely. I think everybody's probably excited to get to that game. But I think the situation that they're in with, with Alvarez, you know, you're playing with the backup quarterback, I think that kind of helps you avoid, you know, the quote-unquote staff a little bit because you understand kind of the task at hand and what needs to be done to, to keep rolling. And, you know, for a team that has battled a ton of injuries with one bye available, you know, I think that the stakes are pretty high for them. But that Kansas City game is going to be, you know, the, the true test for them. They are great statistically in a lot of areas. The one thing I would say, though, is, is that, you know, and I cited one, and it, it is kind of cherry-picking a little bit, not to add the context, that they played a team without a quarterback, and so they basically got to divide their defensive stats by an extra game without having to play the game. Like, you know, you go to 16, but they're really only going to play 15 games on defense. Um, but, you know, again, Denver's been a good running team, so I guess – you gotta you gotta give them a little bit of credit for how they played that, but you know it's not really it's not really the same thing. But it's a crony year, so I guess everything just gets lumped in together, and, and you do the division, and you know just realize that's the way it is. But yeah, the Kansas City game, man, like it, their defense, they're, they're gonna have to come to play for that one. If there, there is anything that isn't realistic, you know, it'll come to light. And you know, as, as somebody that that enjoys watching football and wants to know the answer about Taysom Hill very badly. I think that would be the game where you would find out. I doubt he gets to play it, but you know, I, if he was out there, that's where I think we find out if he can do all these things. And you know, Every year, you come down to a point where your quarterback has to win your game, and that usually comes in the playoffs. Everything else gets taken away, and you got to rely on that talent. Against a team like Kansas City, if they're scoring points, you know, that's where you got to do it if you chase them. He's not going to get that test in these four games, and that's unfortunate. That would be the one but it looks like, you know, if I had to guess, I would guess Breeze is back for that game. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I would think that they're probably withholding Breeze from, from this game or bringing him in prematurely yeah. just to make sure that he's ready for that game. Knowing Coach Payton the way you do, you've covered the team for many years now. Does he look at games like this as, as statement games? Because I remember Andy Reid, conversely, would look at certain games as statement games. Do, do you? I mean, do the Saints even need to make a statement, or at this point, is it just, hey, we need to have the playoff success that we have not achieved. This is just another game to help us get the number one seed. What are your thoughts about that dynamic with Coach Payton? I think it's a little bit of both. You know, he's, he's a black and bullshit guy. He, you know, he likes to mix it up on Twitter, and you know, I, I think he's aware of what each game means. You know, I, I think even that first game with Lacation was a bit of a, a statement. And I think in this last game, they tried to get him a, a third touchdown pass. And I think, you know, you look at it through the prism of, you know, he's aware that everybody knows what they're saying about Taysom Hill. And I think that he wanted him to get a third passing touchdown. So, you know, it, I think that is probably his DNA. And I think that's probably something that his players buy into too. And I think, you know, they, they kind of like that stuff. But, you know, at the same time, even the broader picture for this team overall, there's probably a sense of, you know, this being the season where you have to cash in or there's a significant missed opportunity. And I don't I don't know if you can put that all on the Saints. You know, they, they had some games taken away from them in the playoffs. You know, there's a possibility 2018 was, was the year that they should have won it. But still, you go through this and, you know, let's say Breeze retires after this year in 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. I think for a full-year stretch, you could make an argument that the Saints were probably the best team in the league, and they never they never quite got it done. And, you know, I think that, that they, they realize that this is kind of, you know, the music's playing, there's a good chance it's over. 
And, you know, Kansas City would be great, and it would be a statement. And, it, you know, I think that they'd recognize that. But at the same time, you know, I, I think there's a greater sense of, of need for this team to validate itself through more important means than a, a game against Kansas City. A quick yes or no before we let you go, Nick. Do the Saints nail down this number one seed and the critical only buy that's going to be given out to the NFC this year? Yeah, I think so. I, I think the schedule's favorable. Good stuff. Nick, we kind of deviated a little bit from the uh, rapid-fire format, but you yeah. brought the heat nonetheless. I'm the talker, man. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Great information as always. That's Nick Underhill. Check him out on NewOrleans.Football. Have a nice one, Nick. Gino, let's take a yeah, quick take time out, and then we're going to talk to their division rival, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers reporter, Greg Amon from the Athletic NFL right after this. Stay with us, everyone. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show, a big thank you to Nick for joining us, talking some saints there uh, before our next guest, joins us to talk about Tampa. I got to ask you a question a little bit about your team and Mike last week. Where do you stand right now on the Raiders with last week? I mean, as a fan, you're probably excited. They won that game because if they lose that game, they're probably done. I don't think they could have lost that game to the Jets after having lost the game to the Falcons, after having that tough loss to the Chiefs and still had an opportunity. But even if you look really bad last week, it doesn't matter from a, hey, in the standings, you still have a legitimate shot. You got a game against the team that's right ahead of you coming up this week. Where do you stand with the Raiders after a a tough couple weeks? You know, typically 
that's been a game where Raiders historically, okay, <laughs> where where Carr or whatever quarterback has played for the Raiders drops a dime right into the receiver's hands and it bounces off and they lose the game that they should have won in the first place, that they had a chance to win again, and they failed to do so. So it was kind of cool to see them finally actually winning a game in that fashion. Um, now you could go back and say, well, why were they even in that position? Because the first half, they looked like an offensive machine. They got the tight end more than involved. He was a beast in that game. Carr, you know, he's consistent. He's consistently good, in my opinion. Ruggs had... He's probably the luckiest football player in, yes. in week 13 yes. in having a chance for redemption. Like that. Because there were two turnovers that were directly involved with rugs, mm-hmm. and to get that opportunity to win in that fashion on a bomb, on and 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 for the Jets to blitz and to send the house, and we had to line up so perfectly. So the where way do we go it from all here? Happened with the Jet. I mean, with the Jets too, and for the, like they actually played like the Raiders. Like you said, made a couple mistakes and were able to like to sort of give the game away. But the Jets actually had to make some of the plays in order to get up. You know, it, sure. it was it was phenomenal how like they actually sure. looked the, like the a running back that they claimed team. off of. Yeah, yeah. The, look, the running back they claimed off waiver wire has a hundred yards for them. Yeah. They moved the ball. They played decent defense. They, they look competent, and then they do like, and then at the end, which to be fair, like the loss is actually going to be better for their franchise in the long run. In the like, in the hopes to get Lawrence. Well, here's the funny thing, you know, if if there was any thought that they did it on purpose, they fired the guy that the made day. the call. And I think they, I think what ended up happening was once the numbers started coming out about how, uh, like absurd like the play call and some of the scenarios and some of the situations in like, in how that all went down. Um, I, I think that's why he ended up getting fired because there were, there were numbers out there and, and talking about like the situation that they were in. They sent seven pass rushers in a hail Mary situation when only a, a touchdown would hurt them. They were the first team, according to ESPN next gen stats, um, which their database has been around since 2006. They were the first team to send six plus pass rushers in the final 15 seconds of regulation with a four to eight point lead. And with the other team having 40 plus yards to go to the end zone, that's never happened in a, in a sample. Here's, here's the interesting thing. And, and I guess that it's never happened sample size. 251 pass plays in that position uh, since 2006. Derek Carr, quote, I wouldn't believe they all out blitzed me. I couldn't believe it. I was thankful. (laughs) Okay, so here's here's my question for you, and then we'll get to some Buccaneers football. Here's my question for you then, Gino. What, What defense should be employed in that situation, right? Because we've seen that when, um, if you line everybody up, right at the goal line, right? Play that prevent defense type thing. And you give it to chance on the tipped ball. It's pretty much going to go either to the guy who's got the best hops or best hands and hops at the same time. And it actually gives the offensive team, if they've got that guy, a yeah. pretty good chance. Yeah, I like so, more I mean, just an So maybe, between, maybe like, putting pressure isn't that terrible of an idea, even yeah, though the and, result and pressure, was. Pressure is fine. Like sending three or four, like a normal, like the normal pressure you would send when you start sending six and seven, it was absurd to me. 
Um, even though like Carr isn't great against pressure, and the the thing that's weird about this is like I don't think th- think of this in like a conspiracy theory way because like what is what is he gained from this? You know, like he's not he's not around. He's not going to be around next year. He's not like the owners aren't like great job, good soldier. You know, you, you mean Greg Williams? Game. Yeah, like you you lost the game for us with that call. I think it's just sort of like. A little just bit of incompetence. I mean, when you look at the guy's record where he's been now, he's going to be a part of maybe two losing teams, two teams that didn't win a game. You know, he was the defensive coordinator for the 0-16 Browns <laughs> just a few years ago. Uh, so, you know, I think it just might be a, a, a really a bad coach doing making like making a bad call in a bad situation. But when you look at a sample size like we have, you know, like that guy looked at there with like 251 situations over the last 15 years and not one other time has that that been called um it just seemed like wow like that's one of those like eye-opening numbers um but i know we uh we're getting ready to talk about a team that uh has to get a big win coming off the bye and yeah you absolutely next i don't know if you saw this you know or not but you know it kind of surprised me a little bit the tampa bay buccaneers have to go four and zero, and the saints to go oh and four in order for them to have a chance to win the division and that's because the saints have the tie break winning two of the matchups head to head. So the Bucks are kind of in a, in a interesting situation because they go into a game. I don't know if it's a must. Win. I guess it kind of is a must win, right? You're talking about a six seed going up against a seven seed Minnesota Vikings here to break it all down. Friend of the show from the athletic NFL, Greg Amon. Greg, good evening for you out in Florida. How are you? Hey, doing well. Thanks for having me on tonight. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. So let's get right to it, man. Um, what, what are what are just your thoughts heading into this weekend? Is this a must-win game? You're talking about a team that they could very easily tie with record-wise. They're uh, number six going up against number seven. And more importantly, maybe, did you expect after their hot offensive start this year that they'd be in this position come week 14? Um, they're probably one loss worse than I thought they would be. I mean, that, that those, those last four games, it's Saints, Rams, Chiefs, and it's been a four games. Um, you know, you probably Brutal. do well to go two and two in those, in those, in that stretch there. So yeah, it's not, not a must win. Like it's not over if they lose. I think they still have like a 58% chance of making the playoffs if they lose Sunday. It just makes it a lot harder. I mean, you, you, Right now, you know, right now, if they win, it's at like 94% or something. They'd really have to mess things up against three easier opponents to not get in. And and if anything, you can start thinking about seeding and trying to get that five seed where you get to play the NFC East in the first round and those kind of things. So it's not over by any means, but you're behind the Viking. I mean, the the problem with the Bucks have is that they have head-to-head losses with a lot of the teams they'd be going up against in a tie break. I mean, if the Rams falter, the Rams have the head-to-head. If they lose Sunday, the Vikings have the head-to-head. If the Bears somehow wake up, the Bears have a head-to-head. So you don't want to put yourself in a position where all the teams you're going up against, you have to have better records then. You can't even get ties when it comes to wild-card tiebreakers. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just you know very important, easily the most important of these, of these last four games for sure. It feels like, Greg, uh, that of all of the teams in the league, this is definitely one of a few who really could use the bye late in the year or could just really use the bye week because we've we've seen a, an inconsistent team and we've seen a team that has you know a good drive and then a bad drive and then a drive where Brady and the receivers just don't seem to be on the same page. And with the way this season was with COVID, with 
you know, you have a new quarterback coming in with new receivers, with a new coach, with a system that's going to be different than what he's done for the last 20 years. They're, they, it's not necessarily sky is falling, I think, as much as everybody's seen, seen as the last few weeks. But d- do you think this buy can give them as much as, as it really should? Like, to me, it feels like, wow, a week and a half maybe or uh, some additional time here to, to get on the same page feels like this could be a big, big help for this team. Yeah, I mean, it feels a little bit like in college basketball when a team is making a run and you just need to call a timeout just to get them out of rhythm, if you will. Um, and here, they've just they've been in a bad rut. I mean, the last four games, you know, their pass defense is the worst in the NFL. Most touchdowns, most yards given up, highest completion. They're completing 76% passes in the last four games against this Bucks defense. And the same defense was a big part of why they were 6-2. and two. So it's um, they've got to get back to who they were. And if, if a week off helps that happen, um, it certainly gets them healthier, gets them a little rested. That's what they need. I mean, these last four are not particularly hard games. I think the Vikings game has certainly gotten to be a lot more challenging than it looked to be a month ago. Um, but if they play well, they should win all four games. They're going to be favored all four. Two of the four at home, none of them are in the cold. It, it's a nice finish. They just have to take advantage of it. You know, you mentioned the cold. Speaking you know, the weather, there's been a little bit of conversation about, you know, Florida, December, contrasting that with Brady in the, you know, northeast uh, in New England and in, in Foxborough, Boston, cold, so on and so forth. Has that discussion kind of been coming up because of the age stamina thing? And if, if so, is humidity better to be able to power through a stamina issue than the cold? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, just, it's one less mitigating circumstance to deal with. I mean, um, like, the last two Patriots teams haven't really finished well. I think, I think last year's team went 2-3 and three to end the season. Um, I think the year before was either 2-2 and two and two or 2-3. Two and three. So they really haven't finished that well. And part of that is that if, if you're with the Patriots, you know, you're finishing the year with division games. Except for Miami, all of those are going to be cold outdoor games. And now the nice thing here is that, you know, he gets two in Tampa. It's probably going to be... 75 degrees on Sunday against the Vikings. And then his only two road games left are both in domes. So, I mean, he doesn't have the weather, the, the, the um, you know, the, there's no outside adversity. You know, for a quarterback, for a kicker, that's how you want to end the year. It's nice, warm, dome, no breeze, no wind, no snow, no sleet. Um, he's, he's certainly done well under those situations before, but it's kind of nice for him not to have to deal with that. Any uh, update on the uh the health of the receiving core. Who can we expect to come out there? I know yeah. uh, Godwin had some uh, some screws taken out, I think. Evans has some issues. And uh, and one, maybe just a, a quick line or two on, is uh, Antonio oh, yeah. Brown behaving? Yeah, uh, Antonio Brown, best we can tell, hasn't done anything wrong. Um, Godwin <laughs> should be fine. He hasn't practiced the last two days because, like you said, on Monday, they removed the pins from his broken finger. He had played um, through that injury, whatever the last, three games, I guess. So I think it's just a matter of giving him some, some days off as the finger heals. And I think he's supposed to catch passes tomorrow and, and play Sunday. That's certainly the expectation. Um, Mike Evans is a much bigger question mark. It's, you know, he's had lingering hamstring injuries throughout his career. Um, and then coming off a of bye week, you know, he was listed as being limited in practice Wednesday with a hamstring and then didn't practice at all today with a hamstring. So that kind of makes it sound like something he did in Wednesday's practice. Um, but if it's not serious, it could be one of those where they just want to give him Thursday off to make sure this wasn't a big thing. 
um, and they could try him today. He could be fine Sunday. We'll, we'll probably know a lot better about how Mike Evans is, uh, you know, after tomorrow afternoon. Hey, Greg, before we move off of Mike Evans, you know, we like to hi- highlight the positives on this show. Just really quickly, give us a reason why our listeners should be fans of Mike Evans. Oh, I mean, he's uh, just today named the Bucks nominee for Walter Payton Man of the Year. Um, absolutely great in the community. Um, does a lot for families that have dealt with domestic abuse. Does a lot with getting kids to college. As much as any player I've covered, um, he's just a, a random act of kindness guy. I mean, he'll find out about someone who, you know, uh, a father of a family that was killed, and he'll pay for the funeral. He'll pay for, you know, the expenses that put a family in different in a difficult position as they're dealing with a horrible thing like that. Just just lots of things like that that you don't really even hear about sometimes. He just does them. And uh, see, it's very genuine. This isn't like how, his agent, you know, oh, no, telling absolutely. him, hey, you like need said, to do this. It's, it's from at the heart. And it's neat because Mike, I mean, if you know Mike's story, Mike's been through a lot. Um, you know, he, he's had his share of adversity before he got to college, got to the NFL. And I think he's always been a generous person. It's just, you know, now he's got $16 million a year to make that easier to, to help people. So it's really great. Um, Mike's a big kid. Uh, he's a doting father on his little girls. Um, loves Harry Potter as much as anybody I know. So just really likable as, as a player goes. And also, you know, ridiculously good at catching touchdowns. Um, it's neat. The, he's kind of had a down year in terms of yards. Like he has this cool record where he's opened his NFL career with six straight 1,000 yard seasons. And the only other guy to do that is Randy Moss. Um, so this whole year has been like, if he gets to a thousand, he'll be ready to himself. And it doesn't look like he's going to get to do that. He's at, I think six thirteen with four games to go. So it would take a really good final four games to get there. Um, but he does have 11 touchdowns. Um, which puts him on pace to break his own team record for touchdowns in the season as long as he's healthy here. Um, and then the wild thing is that he and Brady have this really weird, cool connection in, in that nine of the 11 touchdowns are inside the 10-yard line. He's just a really good, again, you get a six-five guy with hands who can jump. Um, it's an easy target for short-range red zone success. So he's got nine touchdowns, uh, less than 10 yards. The most anybody's ever had in a season like that is 10. Randy Moss did that in 07 with, with uh, Brady as his quarterback. So could set a record for that. It's kind of an obscure, strange record. But uh, anytime you can break a Randy Moss record, that's pretty good as a receiver. Yeah, no doubt about that. Hey, Greg, before we let you go, I was trying to make a case right at the mid-year point for not one of the quarterbacks in uh, L.A. or Cincinnati for Rookie of the Year or the running back in Jacksonville. But for Tristan Wirfs, tell, tell me why uh, why he should get consideration from your observation seeing him every single week. Yeah, I think like the fantasy football thing makes that almost always going to be uh, a quarterback or a running back or if there's a 10-touchdown receiver or something. Those guys are always going to dominate that award. But Wirfs has jumped in here as a every-down from week one starter at right tackle. Uh, really reliable, like had this gauntlet to open his career where he went up against a fair amount of really good pass rushers just in like his first five or six weeks in the league and really has handled it well. I mean, this line, um, I think Brady has 16 sacks this year, the whole year, and that's after Winston got sacked 47 times last year. So they've really stepped up the way you kind of need an offensive line to when you're trying to protect a 43-year-old quarterback. And like I said, Wirfs, their entire games were, were again, nobody blows past him. Um, handles a lot of experienced pass rushers like he's done this for a long time. So for them, um, 
it's exciting to have uh, a future. You know, they could very well make him their left tackle, honestly, after this season. Donovan Smith hasn't played as well. He's due to make, I think, $14 million next year, none of which is guaranteed. Uh, so it's possible that Tristan Wirfs takes another big step and, and is a starting left tackle, you know, next year, this time, as we talk about his second NFL season. Really impressive and just great kid, super athletic, freakish athlete, and has really picked things up mentally to, to match the, the physical skills I think everyone saw. Yeah, and even his scores on um, run blocking have been pretty superb as well. So sounds like he is the guy for the future of the Bucks O-line. Greg, tell our listeners how they can follow you. Yeah, on Twitter, just at my name, G-R-E-G-A-U-M-A-N. And everything I write is at The Athletic, at theathletic.com. Outstanding. Thank you so much, Greg. Enjoy the final quarter of the season, and uh, hopefully we can link up with you during the playoffs. Absolutely, guys. Thanks again. Happy holidays to you. Thank you. Happy holidays to you, too. Gino, let's take our final time out, and we'll come back, talk a little fantasy football and some plays of the week. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com this is the mike abadir show if you want to call in today we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 or send an email to mike at the mike show.com now back to this week's program Closing segment here on the Mike Abadier Show. We've got week 14 of the NFL. We've also got the start of the fantasy playoffs coming up this week. So uh, things really, really important as far as who you're playing, who you're not playing. And someone to, to me, Mike, who I was very high on um, early in the year and all throughout the year. And I think in one or two leagues, I ended up dropping him. I hung on to him in one or two. And he is someone who I'm definitely planning on playing this week is going to be T.Y. Hilton. He's actually going to be playing against your Raiders and win or lose in that Colts Raiders game, which is a big game. One thing we've seen about the Raiders is they don't have a very good defense in particular. They can beat you. They can score with you and they can run the ball. And if Jacobs is around they're they're capable of beating anyone, but they're not great stopping the pass and when with T.Y. Hilton the last two weeks he started to finally 
it's like off of the buy, he sort of got that connection with Rivers that that I'm hoping maybe Brady gets with some of his receivers. He's someone who had 110 yards receiving last week. And I think he's a, he's someone who I was going to say he's a horse. Cause I'm, I'm so used to saying a horse to use yeah, in this yeah. race. <laughs> he's a player. He's a player that I'm definitely going to be, uh, to be starting, probably playing in some daily fantasy stuff. If I'm playing DraftKings, FanDuel, anything like that, I'm expecting a big week from him against uh, a very, um, like a beatable Raiders secondary. Well, you know, I'm glad that you brought him up because everybody has a T.Y. Hilton type person on their team. Mm-hmm. I think, in my opinion, as you're putting together your fantasy lineup for the playoffs, the biggest challenge to me is I think it's pretty clear there are very few teams that are the exception. Majority of the teams are dealing with tricky situations. For example, I'll just use the players that I've got on my teams. Antonio Gibson is most likely out this week. Yep. I've got T Higgins, T Higgins, Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver was having a superb year, still is having a good year, but without his quarterback. And now he hasn't even been the without same. his other quarterback, his like, other quarter, exactly the, right. He was still okay with Allen in the mix. Now, when you bring Finley in the mix, it's a totally different story. Exactly he, right. He becomes like, can like you said, a to- can you even play him? And then, and then, and then I've got like a Sterling Shepard, right? Who is probably one of the more underrated, consistent fantasy guys, but he's not going to get you into the twenties. If you need a guy to get you consistently twelve to fifteen points, Sterling Shepard's your guy. However, is it going to be Colt McCoy or not? I'm going to go out on a limb and say that a majority of these games are going to be won or lost determined by that flex. If you want to call it the flex guy, but that, that that last guy that you want to insert in your roster, because I'm torn, you know, and and guys that had like Raheem Mostert, Mostert were probably thinking, you know, I'm in good shape. Niners are getting a little bit healthier, but then Jeff Wilson comes in and gets more carries and is more effective than him. You have so many running back by committee type of guys. Very hard to figure out who to sit, who to well, start. And, you know, you know Murphy's someone, Law, right? Whoever you sit gets 24 points. And then someone like you who is in a situation where like, you have someone like Kyler Murray who probably got a lot of people to the playoffs with, with how good he was for the first 10 weeks of the year or so. Right now, he obviously looks like he's banged up. They, they don't want to say it. They don't mention it. He's not his running. His shoulder's not right. He's not running. His ever his depth of throw is minuscule. It's not even close to how far he was throwing down the field. It, it, not even close. So, and, and they're three, 12 and one when he's held under 40 yards rushing. As far as a win and, and losing are concerned, they're eight and four when he rushes for 40 plus yards. So he's not doing that. That's not helping you in fantasy. That's not helping them win. I mean, we talked about them a few weeks ago. They've been terrible. Oh, since, since since I said that they're going to win the division, they haven't won. And, and, and I the think, one where I think you're have, nailing it. It's, the one it's, I think it's on sh- Murray's shoulders, literally and figuratively. Poor coaching, too, from Cliff Kingsbury in that he's not great in the decision-making part. In the, should I go for it here? Should I kick it? Um, hey, it's fourth and three. I'm kind of in an in-between spot. What kind of play should I call? If it's like fourth and two and you've got a Kyler Murray, like he, sh- he should always be able to get that and pick that up. And he was doing that. Uh, when yeah, they I think they were games. nine for ten and fourth down conversions at one point this year. Yeah, earlier in the year. And right now, it, he, he's not. And they look like 
just a, a completely different team. So what do you do with someone like him, right? You can't not play him, but it's, you know, your team and, and, and so many teams were good and got themselves to where they were because of him. And now you have to sort of lower your expectations for a guy who you probably could chalk in close to 30 points a week for him, from him, you know, in a fantasy situation. And now you like, if, if he, if he comes out of the game in the middle of the first quarter, it really wouldn't even be that big of a shock because we know he's sort of been banged up. Yeah, exa- exactly right. Now, obviously, him being who he is, the last two weeks him. have been the lowest scoring yeah. totals. Um, you know, to say that somebody's second lowest scoring total was 16 isn't an absolute embarrassment. No. Uh, you know, he's 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 typically a, a, a shoe-in for your mid-20s, and like he said, upwards into the 30s. The problem is, in fantasy football, it's not like real life, right? It's fantasy. If he comes down the first quarter, I can't put in my backup. I can't put in the guy that's on my bench. So you're going to have to hope. And that's why I say that last guy on the roster that, or the last guy that you insert into your lineup, you got to be right on it. Because there's, not, there's no room, there's no margin for error. That's what makes it really difficult. A lot of guys... You know, when Antonio uh, Gibson went down, went to the waiver wire to see if they can pluck potentially a, a, a replacement player like a Ty Johnson from the Jets. H- how do you rate him? I mean, he had a great game last week, but you just said it. The Raiders defense is nothing special. So w- what can we expect out of this guy this week? And they're going to be a 13-point underdog this week. Like, if they get down early, how much are they even going to be involving the backs? You know, they actually do have, it it feels like a full complement of wide receivers healthy again, too. So if they're down early or if they're having to try to throw the ball to keep up with Seattle, I mean, how much are they even running the ball? That's what, I'm with you. It's for And and how about about Gibson's replacement, Barber? Is it right? him not a lot or of people do you that go McKissick? He, he has even, to get a touchdown in order for you to get any points from him. Yeah, because you know McKissick will probably get used a little more in the passing game, and they'll they'll have him in the mix. But McKissick's probably been rostered on on other you know, on some teams, so now you have to think: Is it worth it? Like you said, are you? And 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 then it comes down to where are you individually? Are you in a situation where your team might just need somebody to get you? seven to 10 points or are you in a situation where you know where you need a player that's got a very like a high floor but not really a higher ceiling or do you want like a boom or bust someone who could get you nothing but could maybe score you two or three touchdowns that's such a a, a very difficult conflict to sort out especially I, in, i've been i've been going through go that situation you know yeah look i've been going through that the last couple of days i'm like okay and, and you know, look we're some of our listeners are, are playing with us. Uh, there's no secret here. I've got a game this week starting tonight with the Rams defense. Uh, Jeff Wilson. I picked him up. I like Jeff Wilson a lot. I've had him on my roster several times over the last couple of years. He's been good to me. We all have our little favorites from these obscure guys. He's one of mine. He's got a potential to bust 20 points. At, at any point in time, he, if you go back and look, he's busted out with 20-point games. But I've got Sterling Shepard, who's slow and steady. I've got T. Higgins, who will probably get you 10. So kind of to your point, do you go with a guy and get cute with it who could get you three points but also can get you 20? Or do you go with what you could expect, which is, you know, you know in a low-range, low, low range, 
you know, these type of guys, these type of receivers aren't going to get you less than like seven or eight points, you know, and they're probably not going to get you more than 14. So let's just call it 10 points. He's going to get you double digits. What do you do? Do you get cute with it? Do you get fancy? Hey, it's playoff time, do or die. Or do you go with the consistency? Yeah, and I think it, it depends to me a lot of times on even who you're playing. I look across the way and I go, okay, is this someone who looks to me like they're like I need that boomer bust guy? Or is this one where I think I'm better than them? I'll give me the seven to ten steady from Shepard or, you know, that type of player where at least I know I'm not gonna get a goose egg versus, hey, I'm I'm probably thirty points like less than this team I'm playing, I need someone to boom or bust. So if I get a zero there, it doesn't matter because if they don't get 25, I'm screwed anyways. You know, yeah, no, I that's think a, that's, that's a really good point. It. Although yeah. I will say this, anytime I try to handicap a like that, the team yeah. that's kind of so-so ends up busting out like 160 100%. points. <laughs> One player gets hurt and then it all changes. We've only got like two minutes left. So uh, how about a player two for week 14, Mike? Is there anyone that you really like coming up this weekend? Yeah, four and two over since, since uh, the week before Thanksgiving. Uh, you nailed, as you said at the top of the show, your uh, big play of the week, which was the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I went one and three last week. I know we're in a hurry here, so I only have one pick: Chicago Bears. I think they're gonna they're gonna win the game straight up. That's that's kind of how I see this one. They're getting a point and a half from the Texans. They're at home. They're a terrible team, and I hate taking terrible teams, but I'm taking the Bears this week. How about you? Uh, There are two games I'm looking at. Um, I might not play one unless I get the number that I need. Um, I'm going to play Miami plus the seven. They're at home. Kansas City has been fine. They've been winning. They've been going through the motions. But I think, you know, the seven is the key number here. If you can get Miami at home plus the seven, I'd love if we can get some kind of a weird uh, phantom Tua injury in the next few days. And Fitzpatrick was starting there. I'd feel even a little more confident (laughs) about them. And and, and if we can get Philly plus seven, I think that New Orleans is playing well. But when you have... Have a new quarterback starting like this with Hertz. Sometimes the line, they don't really know what to do with the line, right? Because we don't really know how Hertz is going to, to play in a situation like this. So I think because of the the wild card and sort of the X factor there, if you can find Philly plus seven in, in a day or two later in the week, I'd also take that. So a couple of uh, home underdogs that are playing maybe the two best teams in the league, but they're at home and they're in situations where they may not win, but they could probably keep it close enough to within uh, to within a touchdown. I think that makes a lot of sense, especially that Dolphins one. Man, to many people's surprise, they and the Steelers have the least points scored against them, 211 and 212 respectively. I love Ryan in Flores the NFL. last week, man. He wanted to punch a play. He went on the field. His players had to hold him back. Because I know. He was trying to, oh, I just love that. Like, I want to go run through a brick wall for him. <laughs> no kidding, man. So that's all the time we have this week. Big thank you to Nick Underhill and Greg Amon for joining us today. Good luck on the fantasy playoffs for all you players out there. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Have a great sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.